And a very good day. This is Pastor Mark and my wife, Catrice. This is Touch of God. And we're going to continue the mini-series, you could say, on forgiveness with part three this week. And we want to make sure that it is very easy for you to understand. And we're going to go over some things briefly to recap on some of the important topics here. And so the saying goes, hurt people, hurt people. Or people that are hurting, hurt other people. So we want to recap on something that's rarely explained and taught, but it's important to understand why some people want to cause you hurt and harm. At the end of the day, this does not change the fact that we must forgive someone for hurting us, but it does give us a perspective on why they acted the way they did, whether they knew it or not. In fact, if you look in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, where Jesus was on the cross and there was two criminals on either side of him on their own crosses. And Jesus prayed, according to Luke 23, verse 34, he says, And Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and distributed them by casting lots for them. The key there is, Jesus said, for they know not what they do. So they were criminals, they had done something wrong, but yet the mercy and grace of God Jesus is asking his father, yes, but forgive them for they knew not what they have done. So let's look at John chapter 8. Now we don't have time to read the whole chapter today, so I encourage you to read the entire chapter to make sure you understand the context and the story and what's being explained. But in John chapter 8 in the New Testament, we read of Jesus returning from the Mount of Olives back to the temple where he is met by some scribes and the Pharisees. Now, they have brought to Jesus a woman caught in the act of adultery to see how he would judge the woman and if that matched the law of Moses, which called for stoning of such an act. Verse 6 explains that this was in order for the Pharisees and the scribes to try to find a charge on which to accuse Jesus. When he responded by proving that those who accused her were in sin, thus were hypocrites. One by one, the accusers left until it was just Jesus and the woman remaining. And remember, he told her he would not condemn her, but he warned her to sin no more. But now when the Pharisees continued to argue with Jesus, Jesus revealed the difference between him, who was a man in right relationship with the Father, and they who did not know the Father, and therefore did not know him, Jesus, either. Because verse 19 in John 8 says, Then they said to him, Where is this father of yours? Jesus answered, You know my father as little as you know me. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And I also wanted to explain John chapter 8, verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father... You would love me and respect me and welcome me gladly. For I proceeded and came forth from God out of his very presence. I did not even come on my own authority or of my own accord as self-appointed, but he sent me. The key there in 42 is that Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me and respect me and welcome me gladly. So there is a distinction here today between those who are born of the Lord, born again by the saving grace of God, by believing in Jesus Christ, amen, 
who should be loving you and respecting you and welcoming you gladly, and those who are not. And we will explain in just a moment that those other people that are lost, they are still of their father, the devil, and they are going about in his nature. And let's just continue with the teaching. So he goes on to say in verse 44, after he is conversing backwards and forwards, and the Pharisees and the scribes are arguing with him about the law of Moses and why Jesus didn't want to sentence her to, to death through stoning. John 8:44 says, You are of your father the devil, and it is your will to practice the lusts and gratify the desires which are characteristic of your father. Now, remember, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and the scribes in response to their scheme to charge Jesus and have something against him in the way that he was judging the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. So Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil, and it is your will to practice the lusts and gratify the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks of falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him. He is a liar himself and the father of lies and of all that is false. So when was the beginning? Because Jesus said he was, the devil was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. So let's have a brief history on when was the beginning for this situation? When did all this start? In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 to 14, it says, And you said in your heart, Now, this is Isaiah hearing the word of the Lord, and the Lord is saying this about Satan, and he's speaking to Satan. So this would be the Lord saying, And you, Satan, said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of assembly in the uttermost north. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That is what Satan had in his heart, and that's what caused God to kick and eject Satan out of heaven. And that's obviously when Satan deceived a third of the angels, but we won't go into all that today. So Satan brought his sin nature and anything related to death, anything of that nature, into this world through man, when man, who was Adam and Eve at the time in the Garden of Eden, disregarded God's command to not touch the tree in the Garden of Eden. So God warned Adam and Eve not to touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. And again, this is the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and blessing and calamity you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, so from that day forth, man forsook his God-given godly image. He gave up his godly image that he was so blessed with. Adam and Eve were blessed with the image of God that they were created in, all the way up to when they decided to disobey God and the aid of the fruit, which was obeying their new master, the devil. So they forsook their God-given godly image and took on an ungodly image of the one they served, the father of lies, the devil. So we know that Satan deceived Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Eve ate of the tree in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. And you can read those as you do through the week when you recant this uh, message. Amen. So remember that even back in John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me and respect me and welcome me gladly, for I proceeded, came forth from God. So a lost soul walking the earth today is continuing 
to toil in his own strength because he is blinded and kept from the truth by his own father the devil according to second corinthians 4 4 and so he is living a lie he is convinced that his life is all that it's supposed to be because of his unrenewed mind his unrenewed spirit that spirit that is surely dying and his untransformed soul, his mind-willed emotions, his mind still thinking that the way he's living is the best he can be living, even through the, the problems he or she is having. They do not know God. They have rejected God, and they have rejected the truth. They are postponing understanding the truth, or they have decided to disregard God completely and not come near him and receive him. Psalm chapter 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So now, since the word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, those without Jesus, who is the word, are in darkness. Therefore, they are lost without a compass. They cannot see a path in front of them. They are fallen and are always stumbling into calamity because they have no light. They have no lamp unto thy feet. They don't know where they're treading. They are lost. They are truly lost. Imagine being in a maze without a light to guide you to the exit. So they do not know the truth. Since they believe, they already know the truth. But those are the lies they believe according to the nature of those whom they serve, their own father, Satan. They continue to act out differing intensities of evil from a lie all the way to mass murder of many. These are the lost souls that are hurting us today, that want to say, accuse us of things, cause problems, hurt us with their harsh words, and do things that would cause us to feel hurt and then require us to forgive them. These are the very souls that are in the earth that are groaning. Romans chapter 8 verse 22. We know that the whole creation of irrational creatures has been moaning together in the pains of labor until now. These are those irrational creatures that are hurting and they want to hurt you, not knowing what they do. These are the souls today that we have to pray for, but these are the souls today that we have to forgive. Amen. So that's a a recap on the history of why these souls on the earth are walking the way they are and causing us hurt or trying to cause us hurt. Amen. So over to you, Catrice. Amen. That was such a good point. So when you know not what you do, you don't have a lamp unto your feet. You don't have a light unto your path. You don't have anyone to tell you what is right and what is wrong. It's, It's like a child that places its hand in the fire because there's no one there to guide the child to say, no, don't put your hand in the fire. You'll be burned. And they suffer the consequences of sin regardless of whether you know it or not but when you have a father who is a lamp unto your feet who is a light unto your path then you begin to walk in their nature and characteristics so we already discovered what it is to walk and to follow the enemy's path which is not guiding or protecting and which is the opposite of having a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path and so we're going to go to luke 6 verse 35. We had gone over this last time, but I'm going to reiterate, given the new perspective of having a father as the devil versus having a father as God. 
So when you have a father as God and he sends Jesus because he loves us so much, Jesus says, but love your enemies. And that's in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, verse 8. And of course, this is the Amplified Classic. That explains what love is. And then we're back to Luke 6, verse 35, which says, but love your enemies and be kind and do good doing favors so that someone derives benefits from them and lend, expecting and hoping for nothing in return, but considering nothing as lost and despairing of no one. And then your recompense, your reward will be great, rich, strong, intense, and abundant, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind and charitable and good and to the ungrateful and the selfish and the wicked. So this, of course, is just referring to, just like we had said before, the Romans 5 verse 8, when God loved us while we were still sinners. It says, but God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one died for us. So that means while you are in sin, while you are serving the wrong father, while the devil is your master, God is still loving on you and he's seeking for you to walk in the right way and he's waiting for you to turn to him so that he can be that lamp unto your feet, Amen. the light unto your path so that he can guide you and he's wanting you to completely turn away from the evil and the wickedness which is going to cause you harm to turn towards him where he will be the life and the light of your life. So when we have a father like that, we can be guided. We're also going to shed some light on more of the nature and the characteristic of God. We're going to go to Micah 7 verse 18 to 19. And of course, this is the amplified classic. And it says, who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgiveness and the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show your mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And so you see here, even if something happens, God chooses to forgive and have mercy. And it even says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in full-fledged sin and I had just gotten in trouble because I had done sin when I was unsaved, there was no one that was wanted to look upon me and forgive my sins and remember them no more. As a matter of fact, the enemy wants to constantly remind you, right? The voice of the accuser comes and constantly tries to remind you of what you've done and to put you in condemnation and guilt. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And you see how the parallel is that there's a parallel. If you're having condemnation, if you're feeling condemned, God, the Father, doesn't cause you to have condemnation. He doesn't cause you to have sin. And so what you want to do is you want to be in Christ. You want to be in the Father. You want to be under and in someone who has these nature and characteristics because that's what it is to forgive. Again, God is showing mercy. 
you will again have compassion on us. And that's again in Micah chapter 7, 18 to 19. So if we are following the nature and the characteristics of God, we would have compassion. We would have mercy. And those things lead us to have forgiveness. And of course, the posture of the heart is to remember their sins no more. When we remember their sins no more, then like it says about God, in God, there is no darkness. And so in us, if we're not walking after darkness, we're not showing darkness, then we're only going to reflect the light. And when we reflect the light, it's a pure love. It's not hidden in darkness. That love is hidden in light and the forgiveness will shine a pure light because you're, you're not holding grudges. You're not holding anger. And so that brings me back to just the definition of when you're loving on someone, when you're not holding grudges and you're not holding anger. And of course, that's going to bring me to what is love? And again, we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 13. I believe we touched upon it last time, but it's not going to hurt to just touch upon it again so that we can clearly expand upon the nature and the characteristics of God. If I speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reason, intentional spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us, I am only a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge. And if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. So we're not talking about people who are in the world and who are unsaved. This even crosses over to people who are saved. If you're prophesying, if you're speaking in tongues and you're revealing mysteries, you're working for God, but you don't have love, it says right here, you have nothing. You're not representing the Father if you're not representing love. We can do all of these acts, but you don't want God to say, I knew you not, you know, and you'll say, but God, I did all these things. I did all these works for you. But he's going to say, I knew you not. And it says here, I am nothing, a useless nobody. Verse three, even if I dole out all that I have to the poor providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but have not love God's love in me, I gain nothing. So it's saying we have to have God's love in us. To have something in us, it's kind of like when you prepare a meal, you can put spices on something last minute. And when you put spices on something last minute and you serve it to somebody, it's apparent that the spices are separate from the food and the flavor is not very bold, right? It literally tastes like it's sitting on top of the food. But when you take something like chicken and you let it marinate overnight with the spices, it becomes one and you can't tell where one ends and one begins. And that's what God wants for us. He wants to be in us. So I'm going to pause on 1 Corinthians 13. We stopped on verse 3 and I'm going to go and read John 15, which talks about remaining. Because when you remain in him, it's so very important because that verse ended up on remaining. And we're just going to read a little bit about remaining. And I know you may ask, what does remaining have to do with being in Christ and having forgiveness? When we are in Christ and we have forgiveness, 
we're having the nature and the characteristics of God. But when we step out of that, we have the nature and the characteristics of sin and the master of sin is the devil. And so literally we have to choose this day whom we serve. Whose characteristics are we trying to take? Are we trying to walk in love, have forgiveness and have mercy? Or are we trying to continue to walk in things that it's not shedding light to you? It's causing harm to you and you're having repeated circumstances and situations come upon you because you know not what you do. You're not walking in wisdom or knowledge. You're just being led in another way because you have a different father and that's all you know. But God wants better for you. In him wanting better for you, he's wanting you to obtain the fullness of Christ. In order to obtain the fullness of Christ, his nature and characteristics, and to fully understand what you're walking in, you have to remain in him because he wants to be your daddy, right? It's not just a label. When you come to Christ, you're a part of his family, and he watches after you. He guides you. And so right now... What we're going to do is we're just going to pray for you while we're coming to the end because I believe that we should put some prayer. And so, God, I just thank you right now that you're just releasing that fresh revelation to those who yes. are hearing it, God, yes. that this is hitting the bull's eye of people's hearts, God. It's tearing down strongholds, breaking down walls, God, casting down vain imaginations, Lord, that exalt themselves against you, Lord. I just thank you, God, that people will see where they are, Lord. Perhaps they are walking in Christ, but there are some areas that light can shine a little bit more on. And perhaps you're walking in darkness and you just simply don't know it. But I challenge us right now while I'm speaking to you that we can all examine ourselves. We can all just ask that question. And even if we don't know the answer and we don't know where to look, we can say, God, God, can you help shed some light on those areas that I need light shed on? God, I just thank you for revealing this wisdom and knowledge. I thank you, God, for shedding that light upon any dark places so that they can come right now. If you're sitting in your seat, it's never too late to go to the Father because he has a loving and forgiving and merciful heart. And you can cry out even now while you are still in sin, while you are still yet sinners. Jesus Christ, God the Father, will accept you into his kingdom, and it's never too late. So you can begin to cry out right now. Amen. Amen. That was great. And we just thank you, Lord, for these precious souls that you have allowed us to speak to today, Lord. We just thank you for the huge population of the audience that we are blessed and privileged and honored to be able to teach today. And we thank you, Lord, for your creation. And Lord, those who believe in your son, Jesus, they are, according to your word, a royal priesthood. So today you are a member of the royal family of the Lord. You are sons and daughters, but daughters are sons. Amen. According to the Bible, male and female, they are sons of God who believe in Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, today that we have an inheritance of your kingdom, of your family, and that now you are our heavenly father. And we no longer have the devil as our father as we did before we received your son as our Lord and our Savior. We thank you, Lord, today. We speak your life into their bodies from head to toe. We command health and healing to restore their bodies. As the word comes forth in their hearts, as they read the word of God, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22 says that the word of God is healing 
to all their body, healing to all their flesh. And we thank you, Lord, today that they are healed of whatever they were sick or diseased of. And today they are completely whole again from head to toe according to your will, and you have paid for them to be healed by your stripes at the whipping post in Isaiah 53, verse 5. We thank you, Lord, today in Jesus' name. We bless you. We bless your holy name. Amen. That's all the time we have for this week. If you have any questions about this teaching or any questions or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can call us directly at country code 1-407-705-3151. That's country code 1407705-3151. Or you can email us at touchofgodradio at gmail.com. Touchofgodradio at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, just search for Touch of God Radio, and you can listen to this broadcast or any previous one that you might have missed. Until next week, you have a blessed week. Amen.